and welcome to the Bucket Problem episode 40. I am your host, Ace Anbender. We are presented, as always, by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet, and we're a proud member of the Blue, Not- Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am joined today not just by Dan, a.k.a. Fixtauskas, but we have the grand return of Connor Southern, who has been in uh, parts unknown, uh, parts uh, confidential, actually, for, uh, for weeks now, but uh, he, he could not escape the allure of spring football. So, uh, Connor, welcome back. Hey, yeah. Um, I just want to let everyone know that uh, if you're looking to get some basketball jokes in about me, uh, I don't follow that sport. Um, <laughs> I heard there were some games recently. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Uh, all I know is that Dan has become a Purdue basketball fan, and I respect his life choices. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 100% all in. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Matt. I, I can't believe like I logged on after that game to just defend Matt Painter, like a truly depraved weirdo um, as, as a Michigan fan to get really in my feelings about uh, Indiana fans slandering Matt Painter. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I rooted for, I rooted for pretty really hard this year. And uh, I, I find their like program um, eminently likable. I don't know. There's not a whole lot to hate about Purdue. Um, very like humble program and like Matt Painter seems like a good guy. Um, I just can't but... get over the just big Twitter person being into <laughs> Purdue basketball, <laughs> the leading proprietors of just big basketball. Yeah. Look, Purdue has two bigs um, and or two, two fives. And uh, one of them, it has no basketball skills and all the size. And the other has all of the basketball skills and none of the size. Um, and it was actually really fun to watch all year. Uh, but yeah, no, Matt Painter embraces just big philosophy. He realizes that there's no rule against having um, a medical giant on the court at all times. It's a, it's certainly it's a fascinating yeah. way to play basketball. But uh, you also, know. I don't... I don't follow like Big Ten Twitter fights the way that you guys do since I'm not, you know, on Twitter. Hey, let's much, separate me like, from Dan there. <laughs> well, okay. So well, I'll follow the Twitter fights the way that Dan does. I do think it's really funny that like Indiana basketball fans of all people were like coming for Matt Painter. It's like, oh, Matt Painter can't make it past the Sweet 16. It's like, what have you guys done since like 2002? I was hey, in they won their school. way into the tournament this year. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's really funny. It's like, yeah, like Purdue's disappointed a little bit. The entire Big Ten has disappointed for a, a while now. Like, I haven't kept track, but like, I mean, this is uh, like 22 is years. Uh, it's yeah, <laughs> 22 years. Yeah. Like, Michigan's the only uh, actually Maryland won team. a title um, in a 2000 and. <laughs> Five question mark. <laughs> Dan, you no, don't remember Juan Dixon. You're not allowed to reference a title. Yeah, that's no. not a Big Ten title. <laughs> like I'm gonna later in this episode, I'm gonna make a joke about back when Dan was uh, walking around with a propeller on his hat and a large lollipop. But when Maryland won that title, Dan literally was walking around with a yes. lollipop. So <laughs> anyway, I agree with you. I think Matt Painter's a good coach, and I don't know why. Like all the the Sturm and Drang and angst. Uh, I agree with Dan. Everyone should just go out and recruit the biggest guy they can find. Does that have to be good at basketball? Um, that can be taught. Good coaches can teach. So turn your local giant into a, a Purdue center. Or Hunter Dickinson, if you can. But if you do that, please send them to Michigan. Um, you know, let's, uh, let's just keep that rolling. Uh, 
It's time for big moods. Connor, we haven't heard one from you in a little minute here. Um, and you just referenced a, a part of it, at least. So let's let's talk more about uh, Dan being a comic small child. <laughs> well, I just want to preface by saying, like, I'm in a very spring mood. So, like, for a lot of you listening to this, probably, you know, like, the sun is shining, the birds are out, the flowers are blooming. Here in Montana, we had uh, a snowstorm last night with, like, dangerously violent winds swirling around to the point where it was deeply eerie in my third story apartment and also lightning while it was snowing, which was pretty, uh, pretty metal. Thunder snow is awesome. Unabashed. Yeah. So that's, (laughs) that's the spring mood here in the Rockies. So it's beautiful. And and I know it's the first spring in a very long time where uh, Michigan football fans are not like desperately hoping for a catharsis that's been denied to us. We don't need to explain what I mean. Well, I guess we do. <laughs> we beat Ohio State and won the Big Ten. So, like, that catharsis taken care of for the time being. Um, and specifically, I want to I just point out that Ohio State has not beaten uh, Michigan in football since before the pandemic. So I, I, I don't know if anyone here can actually remember before the pandemic. I barely can. Like, you know, before the pandemic, I was like wearing ba- uh, vans and like gigantic zip off cargo uh, pants. Ace was in a ska band uh, right before <laughs> the pandemic. And Dan was, it's you know, walking true. around. <laughs> <laughs> Dan was uh, wearing like, you know, dinosaur pattern shorts and had a giant helmet top <laughs> and a color on his hat. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's lo- I mean, underpants. Someone say that's low key a fit. Um, <laughs> I'm serving looks, but whatever. You guys do you. <laughs> point is like who knows i mean who knows when the last time that ohio state beat michigan in football was i certainly can't remember it's been a long time and it's going to be an even longer time because as soon as they can beat us will be the end of november when the world cup will be more important anyway i mean if michigan loses that game then the world cup will instantly become more important to every michigan fan so uh you know can't lose really <laughs> i, I know at least one blog that's ready to flip um <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Cannot cannot endorse uh, U.S. soccer uh, fandom on this podcast. Sorry, um, I'm, I've I've long been a, a, a U.S. men's national team hater. Um, I just I don't like it. I don't like that other people like it. Um, it makes me upset. <laughs> You're going to be doing the like the, the cringe and Reddit thing of like rooting against the U.S. against yes. Iran because oh, absolutely. Make some point about uh, okay. <laughs> We're going to have to fight about that when, when the time comes, but uh, we should, that would be a good bit is like the preview for the Ohio state game. Thanksgiving week. We should instead just talk about soccer and not acknowledge the game. That's oh happening. yeah. That'd no, that'd go actually. great. It definitely would just have be lighting like a lot of my yearly income on fire. <laughs> oh, I, I think that, I just think it, I think it works that like as penance for like it's world crimes, like America should be at least forced to be bad at soccer for, you know, in perpetuity. <laughs> Um, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, uh, for world out. crimes is definitely what happens in the world cup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, look, <laughs> I can't speak to any of that. All right. I'm, I'm keeping my phone. I'm, I'm, I'm not pocket watching on any other countries. So I'm, I'm keeping my, <laughs> you know, my mind that's on my a own healthy bag. attitude. I actually respect <laughs> the hell out of that. <laughs> yeah. Quit pocket watching. <laughs> Uh, in addition to pocket wa- or quit pocket watching, Dad, do you have any other big boots today? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, my big mood is, um, uh, about the Michigan spring game. And I think we'll get into it a little bit more later, but, uh, I'm really just shocked by how many proven weapons Michigan has on its offense. Um, it seems re- in, in the age of the transfer portal, um, and you know, 
not to jinx it because we're not out of uh, the spring <laughs> transfer season yet. But um, and I, I'd be shocked if they all like 100% stay. But to have um, Andre Anthony, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, like I mean, we have how many like seven or Ronnie eight Bell. receivers? <laughs> Ronnie Bell, AJ Henning. Um, uh, I mean, like you know, you, plus Darius Clemens, who is coming on super strong. Like there are so many receivers on this roster. There's like at least, you know, seven that you could plausibly say would be that we'd feel good with pretty much any three of these um, coming in, you know, as, as like your top three receivers. Um, then to have like two tight, two to three tight ends that you really trust um, two running backs that, you know, could potentially be all big 10 level um, in Tavier Dunlap and, then, and Kalel Mullings, yes. Right, yeah, and then having guys behind them that you feel pretty good about. Um, in the age of the transfer portal, that's really unheard of. And uh, for Michigan football, in recent memory, that's pretty unheard of to have that many uh, skill position players. And um, I, I'm I'm really shocked uh, that, you know, that, uh, that we've been able to stockpile that much talent considering where it felt like this program was. Even in, on some of the better Harbaugh teams, I mean, like, we're only a couple seasons removed from, uh, you know, the, the 2016 team, which was heretofore like the high watermark of uh, Michigan football, had Amara Darbo, Amara Darbo and Jehu Chesson um, as the starting receivers. And both those, those guys, guys are pretty good, good, good receivers, good receivers. I would complain like, more about the running backs. <laughs> yeah, the run. Yeah. Devion Smith. Like that's who I love Devion Smith, but like clearly not a Big Ten championship caliber running back. And uh it's just, um, I don't know. It's really cool to see. It's cool to see Michigan have that type of talent. And um, I'm really excited and anxious a little bit to, like, see them, you know. Michigan has had so many teams that have just overwhelmed uh, lesser competition with defense, um, which is fun to watch. Uh, but, you know, I think what's been missing and what they've really never done until, like, certain games last year is overwhelm teams with, you know, a plethora of offensive weapons that, you know, they, that – that I don't know, 90% of college football simply can't match um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, really excited to see them play. Um, was cool to see a lot of them, especially some of the younger guys, uh, get out, get after it on Saturday. So, um, yeah, that's my big mood is uh, offensive talent. When you say Michigan yeah, has wanna... never done that on offense, you mean literally in the history of the program, except for like the second half of the 2004 <laughs> MSU game. Yeah. Rich Rich Rod yeah. tried to do it, and we almost executed him. It. it was like, <laughs> uh, well, Michigan had some pretty explosive teams back in like 1948. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Okay, but. yeah, sorry, sorry. The bad magicians were very, very, very loaded with skill. I, I just don't want Craig Ross that was utilized very really well. Yo, imagine imagine what Tom Harmon would do in today's league. Yo, he'd be cooking. He'd be cooking pools. <laughs> Seth is going to kill all of us. Uh, yeah, no. I just don't want Craig Ross to write you like a handwritten cursive letter about about the errors we're making on this pod. If you hear this, Craig, I love you. I'm not. I'm not just making fun of you. I love we, you we, but we, uh, we love you guys. We do. Uh, we do. We do. Um, I just want to understand Dan's point, which is that I said this last year. Like the off season last year was so much more miserable because like the whole thing was like trying to get down to like every single problem with Michigan football, of which there seemed to be an endless number. And I think the thing that the take I had at the time was like, like Michigan fans wanted to talk like in detail about like what kind of defensive tackle you should recruit, like the nuances of defensive scheme and, or like, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, whatever, what do you need at quarterback? Like all that stuff that was like really, really granular. 
And the thing that stood out to me was like, Michigan fans really underrated the extent to which Michigan just has not had, like, as Dan said, a wide array of playmakers of elite skill players or good to elite skill players for a very long time. And this, you know, last year was when this kind of started. And this year, it's, it kind of feels like we're going back to like, you know, I mean, they, the they did have a, have a receiving core with Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Tariq Black. Um, yeah, and that was a good receiving core. I think, like, they didn't have, like, yeah, Ronnie know, Bell. Like seven guys like that. You know, like, I think, I do think this receiving core, you know, I think will be, uh, at least as, as college players, I think will end up being better than those guys, I think. But I would hope they I mean, will be utilized like, better. <laughs> yeah, like, Michigan has some good players. I'm, I'm but it's more just like also you have like Don Edwards, who I yeah. agree like should be an all big ten caliber player, but like his ceiling is like Heisman candidate, right? Like because he's such a path a threat in the passing game. And like that, that's not gassing enough at all. He was like the number one running back in his class and he is sick so far, right? So a point I'm just making is that like there are all these ins and outs of like what makes a football program good. But like I, I think it's been at least since the Lloyd Carr era when Michigan's had just like a ton of NFL caliber weapons on offense. And they do. And um you know, I really hope that Matt Weiss in particular, uh, with hopefully the blessings of Jim Harbaugh, can, can take full advantage of. From your lips to God's ears. Um, all right, my big mood of the week. Um, it, it was initially going to be that the keg stand celebration is an absolute keeper, but that they needed to work on the form. But then I saw um, the MGO Blue video replay angle of the celebration, and I had thought they had held Tavier Dunlap too vertical to really get a good, like, uh, position to drink in, but uh, the guys apparently uh, got a relatively flexible back and uh, they straightened them out pretty good. So uh, tremendous work on the celebration. So that's not my big move. Uh, the, uh, the offensive line was exonerated by uh, the official website. Um, so my actual big mood is that uh, each coach should be allowed to throw one flag per game. It must be subject to review so that it is not um, causing a riot. Um, but, uh, Jim Harbaugh throwing, uh, multiple personal foul flags was, uh, extremely entertaining. And, uh, although, uh, triggering reviews was maybe not something I loved in a spring game. Uh, and I wasn't even there in person. I was just on the couch, but you know, let's maybe not drag these out too long. Um, but yeah, I think what each coach should be able, able to throw one flag per game and, uh, um, also, they should set up an octagon at midfield post game if it uh, if it reaches the point where they need to truly throw down about the uh, the officiating on each side. But I just mostly want to see two coaches fight, and I and I think this is a great way to get yeah. that to happen. <laughs> I think it would be cool if like both coaches threw their flags at the same time for different penalties and then argued about it <laughs> midfield. Accidentally <laughs> offset their critical one flag for game. Yeah. I think that should be part of it. No take backs. Like you threw it and the other guy threw it like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I was, I, I think that like big 10 refereeing sh- would actually uh, improve if we let each team call their own flags um, because c- consistent horrendous refereeing on both sides is actually better than what we get, which is currently like, um, you know, they spin some kind of wheel at big 10 headquarters and decide what is and isn't holding. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's room to improve there. Um, in, in speaking of also coaching decisions in the spring game, uh, I want to, uh, just, you know, desperately hope that, um, 
Steve Klingscale, who is doing a fan, fantastic job coaching the secondary and um, recruiting, is not in charge of our uh, late game management uh, this season. <laughs> Please, though. Because there were some pretty pretty brutal decisions coming. You know, I mean, look, if, if there's like some kind of development plan Harbaugh's got with those guys, I think I think clock management definitely needs to be item one because uh, pretty bad decisions on both ends of uh, running the ball with like ten seconds left. Uh, I don't. I'm, I can't say I can't say I fully endorse. There, uh, there was not maximal usage of timeouts uh, in the spring game for Michigan. Uh, although I think you could mostly write that off to. Uh, Splitting the coaching staff and the roster in half and also uh, not having your starting quarterback for more than a couple possessions. I think that does that does tie into a point I want to make, though, which is that, like, you know, Michigan being a serious football program, like, goes to great lengths to, like, make this, like, this is not just, like, a fun scrimmage, guys. We're not messing around. Like, coaches screaming before the game and, like, you know, it's just, they have booth review, which I think is so funny. You have someone in the booth, like, for your yeah, we've determined spread, a spring like, game victor by booth review before. I don't know if you guys remember that, but they stood on the I, field and looked up at the scoreboard. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty new to like actually paying attention to spring games, so like that this is all kind of new to me. And like, I, I mean, the number one thing is like because the vibes around the program are so much better. Like they couldn't they couldn't stop this from being a lot of fun because like these guys are having fun and they're in a good mood about like the general state of things, which is great to see. And also like that's typified for me by Jim Harbaugh when he threw his flag, it was for excessive celebration, but he was like laughing while he did it. So it's like very much, that is like one of the most dad things you can do is like, it's like, son, you you can't do that. You can't do that tiger, like punching in in the shoulder, you know, (laughs) like smiling, like trying to. Meanwhile, they've been practicing that celebration in practice for weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, you know, not that I think spring games tend to be fun in general because like that's when football fans and teams are optimistic, but like, it's really nice to see Michigan just in the most simple, straightforward way, like be feeling good as a program with good reason. Like that's, that is not something we could take for granted as Michigan fans. So buddy, let me tell you as as somebody who uh, started out his uh, credentialed career at a spring game um, in 2009, uh, let me tell you, they're not all fun <laughs> like this, <laughs> like not at all. <laughs> there are some years where you watch it and you go, Oh boy, we're going to be bad. <laughs> and thankfully this is not at all. One of those years. Um, yeah, one of the, I, I do want to share one story. Uh, there, the, the one other fun spring game that they had under Harbaugh was going into the 2016 season. I think that was, you know, again, previously that was like probably when the vibes were, the best in the program um, and uh, you know, optimism at its peak. And uh, my friend and I went and um, there was someone in front of us that was, uh, we were, we were kind of like taunting this like one walk on um, just like, just kind of like being assholes about it. Um, Why would you do because, that, man? That's so mean. Cause he was, well, <laughs> he kept getting toasted by like, uh, by like Grant Perry. And we were just kind of well, like, you know, I mean, he it, did. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's why, that's why we were, I don't know. It was kind of funny. And his like some, some guy in front of us, like turned back. He's like, Hey, that's like, I, that's like one of my, one of our friends, like he's a walk on. We're like, yeah, he sucks. Um, and so anyway, it was, <laughs> this was, this was uh, you, dude. like, you uh, yeah, no, it's, that's totally fair. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was what it, we, look, we were just having fun. Uh, we were just having fun. Um, he, he was, he was actually not that, not that horrible, but yeah, that was, uh, that was previously like my favorite spring game, but this, this one was pretty fun as well. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, 
I played uh, intramural flag football with a couple of guys who had walked onto the team and uh, then quit. And one of them had uh, um, had the task of guarding Mario Manningham in spring practice. And, uh, (laughs) And he's a guy who, like, I mean, obviously a relatively athletic dude, but, like, you know, Athletic in an intramural flag football setting, very much so. Um, by his own word, going up against Mario Manningham, just uh, well, it looked a lot like that Darius Clemens touchdown. <laughs> I was gonna say, like that, like Darius Clemens. That's that's like perfectly typified spring games, right? Because it's like it's like, oh, he's a freshman, he's coming out strong. What a great play that was! And it's like Darius Clemens was a top one fifty recruit who might have been underranked. He was a national recruit, like Oregon, Auburn, places like that, Raptor. He ran a 4.37 laser time 40, and he's up against some poor kid named Joshua Luther who's, like, just trying his best, right? Like, <laughs> and like, I, I, I may like, have <laughs> written down that Darius Clemens torched a nerd from Clarkson for a TD because uh, he's a two-time <laughs> academic All-Big Ten. He's also oh, he's a, a Clarkson he's, kid? Yeah, oh, he's, wow, also a, yeah. he's also a senior walk-on and uh, that who's never seen the field. Um, Thomas, yeah, like, Tommy, like, Thomas Kithier over here. <laughs> to say that i feel bad for him is not right because like he did sign up for that but like it does it does show you it's like all right i don't i'm glad Darius Clemens could do that against that kid but that is just like you know what does that actually tell you right (laughs) yeah no that's definitely kind of the uh, like the overall spring game feel all the time it's just like well i'm not sure what i just watched but uh hopefully it's good except for those years when it's obviously bad um we might, we've been doing it, but let's uh, let's officially start talking about the offense. Um, Cade McNamara uh, was, first of all, the only quarterback who played who was really in the mix for the starting gig. J.J. Uh, McCarthy, with his uh, shoulder injury of some sort, um, that did not keep him off the field entirely. He held a little bit, um, but he did not play quarterback in this game. So uh, McNamara ends up quarterbacking some series for both teams. Um and then uh, seeds to uh, the Davis Warren uh, at this point, uh, I think is how we have to refer to him because I actually want to talk about this. That that was a quarterbacking performance by a walk-on in a spring game that was significantly better than we've seen from multiple starters uh, in spring games over the last uh, dozen years or so. So um, that was interesting because that dude seems to have a cannon, and I was not expecting that from a walk-on in any way whatsoever. Yeah, and I think um, really cool story. Um, well, not cool, actually, but uh, I guess sad but triumphant ultimately. Um, I believe he had leukemia in high school, which is why uh, he was like a mid three-star level recruit that um, probably would have gone to a Mac school, but uh, kind of w- wanted to go to Michigan and also like missed a lot of time, obviously, with cancer. Um, so really cool to get him to, to see him shine in the spring game. Um, he's got, uh, you know, I'm not going to like sit here and tell you that he's ever going to start for Michigan. Um, but he's the type of kid that, you know, wants to be at Michigan. I mean, we saw a former walk on win a national title last year at Georgia guys like that with big time arms that will stick around the program for a long time are really valuable. Um, I guarantee you he'll come in, uh, he'll come in, in, you know, in, in backup duty for at least one time in his Michigan career. Um, and you know, perform admirably. Um, he's got a better arm than Cade. <laughs> yeah, Cade's okay. a better quarterback, and I don't. I don't mean that as like I don't mean that as a slight on Cade. Like 
that kid can throw the ball. Um, he he had a couple like he had the type of I, I don't he didn't have like a Joe Milton arm or anything like that, but he had the type of arm where like you could see it was coming off with a zip that like Cade does not have. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up uh, down the road being able to transfer to a Mac school or something like that and compete for a starting job, uh, you know. Or like Indiana. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, Davis Warren is an extremely Indiana quarterback name. I can, I can oh, absolutely. see that. Or Northwestern. Hey, shout out to Ben. Oh, no, absolutely. He would start at Northwestern <laughs> He's already right now. scouting yeah. this. We know it. <laughs> we just need to show him the spring game tape, and he's going to be all over this. <laughs> uh, love Northwestern. Love love their system of uh, developing quarterbacks. I use developing lightly. Um, running back. Uh, well, I guess their quarterback thing was Alex Orgy getting in the game and uh, looking like a very good athlete. Um, and he's never. I I'm going to go ahead and say like right now he's never going to take a snap at quarterback for Michigan. I do think like linebacker running back, like I'm glad he's on the team, right? He is a good athlete, but like his accuracy is significantly worse than like a young Joe Milton, which is, I don't know how you fix that. So <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Um, it was, and that's the kind of thing that you, it can get better, but you're probably not, I don't know. I don't know how you get from there to ever being like a starting big 10 quarterback. Um, but clearly a good athlete. Um, Definitely the type of guy that Harbaugh loves. And, like, I could see him being, like, a linebacker slash, like, package quarterback um, in a couple of years. Or something they'll like they'll find uh, a way to get him in yeah. on the whole line. You just know they're going to mess around with that at some point. Will it work? Who knows? But they're going to try it. Uh, they did not try really any of their top running backs for very long. Uh, Donovan Edwards got a wheel route uh, over the top of Nikai Hill Green. That got Michigan, I think, the first and goal situation, if I remember correctly. Um, and Blake Gorm broke contain once. That was about it for the action from the top running back. So uh, it was Tavier Dunlap who churned out solid yardage on about 15 carries and then converted linebacker, who's still sort of playing linebacker, uh, Kalel Mullings. Um, honestly, I, I mean, if you had told me that that was Tavier Dunlap, I would have been like, wow, nice. Um, but yeah. uh yeah, he, he looked natural there and he looked like somebody who could be uh I mean a tough dude to bring down. He is big and physical, but also has some athletic pop to him. And it seems like it seems like he's kind of been passed a little bit at linebacker. I imagine this running back uh trout is not just because he might be a decent running back. Um, but uh that's an experiment worth uh worth exploring a little bit yeah that one run that he broke um just watching that i was just like if you had told me i, I didn't look closely at like body type or anything but i was like oh that's a nice run by donovan edwards because <laughs> like he's accelerating <laughs> on the sideline i was like oh no that's 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 the former uh linebacker recruit from new england oh okay who's nice still playing linebacker <laughs> in this game <laughs> oh i just want to i just want to point out that fumble i think mgo podcast pointed this out the fumble he did was entirely intentional and I believe should be incorporated into the offense, the uh, fumble risky goal line play, you know, high risk, <laughs> high reward, very Jim Harbaugh. Let, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I also want to say, I mean, I, uh, Kalel, Mon- Kalel Mullings, um, whole uh, kind of deal as a recruit was, this is a um, incredible athlete from New England 
who doesn't quite know how to play football yet. Um, and trying him at linebacker is definitely, you know, like worth a shot. Um, based on what we'll talk about this in defense, but based on what I saw um, does not appear to be where I would put him. Um, and so if you've got a, a, an incredible athlete that doesn't quite know what he's doing, the best place to put him is probably running back where it's pretty straightforward. Um, and he's big and he's fast and he showed like pretty good vision. And that's all you need to be a good running back. Um, it's not rocket science. You know, I, I don't think like, I, you know, I don't think he's, you know, the, uh, uh, a Doak Walker, you know, candidate or anything like that. But like, if you're, if you're big and decisive and fast, if he just runs as hard as he can at, you know, the designed hole um, and makes like one cut, he's going to get, you know, he, he can definitely pick up those short yardage uh, carries. Um, he also made the, the catch that he made and eventually fumbled was actually a pretty impressive catch out of the backfield. Um, he looks more natural than I would expect a guy that just switched over. So um, I'm all for it. I think he was the most impressive of uh, between him and Tavier Dunlap and Franklin. Um, even though I think Tavier Dunlap probably had the better stats, I I liked Mullings the best out of those three. And then Dunlap and Franklin, I thought both kind of like sort of just guys, which is fine. They're your, you know, potentially like, fourth and fifth running back. I thought Dunlap flashed in a couple rounds. Franklin, I mean, Leon Franklin is just a walk-on. So I assume he will fall out of the conversation pretty quickly. They're um, going to get CJ Stokes as, you know, true freshman also. So they got something else there. But. Yeah. And they'll, they'll actually play their top two running backs uh, more than a drive. Um, wide receiver, another situation where uh, a lot of the top, or at least in Roddy Bell's case, uh, a main top target was, not participating, um, some kind of limited looks for a couple of the other top end receivers. Uh, we discussed the Clemens touchdown already. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought, uh, I thought Angel Anthony and Clemens showed a little bit more number one wide receiver pop than Cornelius Johnson, uh, which I, I'm, I'm adding the spring game to the like career body of work that we have from Johnson so far. And it just feels like he's he just doesn't quite have like the consistent high end playmaking in him, and it felt like that continued in this game. Whereas, I don't know, I think there's just a little bit more juice in both Anthony and Clemens, although we have obviously um, put in the caveat that um, Clemens just ran pretty fast in a straight line to catch that touchdown before he had to lay <laughs> out. Uh, but uh, he does at least. I mean, he also laid out and made a great catch, uh, but. Uh, I, I don't know. We've just, we've seen a fair amount from Johnson. I just can't help but think that like, if he's going to see the field this year, it's more going to be as the number two or number three receiver in terms of targets. than as uh, the guy who kind of ended up being sort of a number one by default at a lot of times last year. Yeah. yeah I think Andrew Anthony, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say Ari Cornelius Johnson. Um, I really think like he's, I really like when he gets the ball in space um, I think he's really good after the catch. I think he's um, a pretty instinctive runner. He's also really, really fast. What he's not good at, in my opinion, and what what like really kind of keeps his ceiling a little bit lower is he's not a great jump ball guy. Um, he's the kind of guy that either beats the cornerback and gets a step, or like if he's covered, he's not making a catch. You know, um, and I think that's that's a very valuable player to have. 
Um, and I think like as the secondary option, like he's really good at those hitch routes where he just like, yeah. you know, five yards, turn around, catch it. And then like, you know, run. Cause he is really fast and he's got good instinctive, uh, you know, uh, yards after catch ability. Um, I just don't think he's a contested catch guy. And I almost would wonder what he looks like in the slot. The problem is we just have so many other good slots on this team that he's probably more of an outside guy. And, you know, I think, look, like, it's still a valuable guy to have. I just yes. don't know if he's ever quite going to be, like Ace said, the wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm not trying to back on him as a receiver. I just I, I, I just think he's not the most likely guy to end up being that number one guy because of what you said. It's the it's the contested catch stuff, and that's where Anthony really pops to me. Yeah, I think the likely like receiver pecking order is Ronnie Bell, I still think, is likely to be the best guy. If he's fully recovered. I predict Andrew Anthony to be a pretty firm number two because I think he's – likely to emerge this year as a pretty big star. And then if you're number three, like here's the positive spin, right? Like if your third receiver is Cornelius Johnson, that's a guy who would have been the number one guy on, you know, the majority of Michigan team from the last 15 years. So, you know, that's like, he's Amaro. I think Amaro Darbo is a pretty good comp for him. Right. So like, all right, we're in business. I, I feel great about it. Yeah. I think it's gonna be interesting what they do. Um, and we'll probably talk more about this throughout the off season, but um, I feel like Ronnie Bell is a number one guy, obviously, but he's he's best out of the slot. I just don't – I think he can be an outside receiver, but I think he's so much better not being pressed because he's still pretty skinny, um, and I don't think he's the most physical receiver. Like, he's the type of guy that can create space and then run after the catch. Um, but you also have a guy who I kind of do also want to talk about, um, A.J. Henning, who is a great – not only is – I mean – as a kind of like gadget player, as like a end around guy is absolutely explosive and, and made plays against, you know, um, some of the best defenses Michigan saw last year. And like really, really is just an explosive player with the ball in his hands, but also in the spring game um, showed more actual route running ability and, and made a couple tough, tough catches. Um, so like, and he's only a slot, like he can't play the outside. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize all these receivers because there's a lot of different ways they could go. All of them that I think are pretty good. Um, But like in terms of maximizing everyone's talent, like I think it is going to take a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of uh, skill um, from, from the coordinators just to figure out what is like the best way to use everybody on this team. Definitely. It's a good problem though. Um, All right, Connor, how excited were you to see Colston Loveland score a touchdown? I mean, I, I was excited. I was also, you know, I just feel vindicated because this, I thought that like, he was a guy that I thought would sort of force his way into playing time, even in what is thankfully a very loaded tight ends room suddenly um, with Eric all coming back and screen locker. But like, I, I, my thing with Colson Loveland is like Alabama does not have to fly out to rural Idaho to like <laughs> recruit a tight end and they did. And so like, as soon as I knew that about him and then watched his film, I was like, okay, this guy is going to pop big time in Michigan. Um, I doubt it'll be as much this year just because he had a true freshman. He's behind some really good tight ends, but like he is someone. Yeah. I think that he's got potential to be like a Jake butt level guy where he's like, you know, a headlining skill player despite being a tight end. So I, uh, I feel like I'm already being vindicated a little bit. I, I certainly liked what I saw. Uh, the tight ends were relatively muted in the game plan, at least among guys that we expect to complete for pl- playing time. Um, Eric all threw a nice pass. Uh, uh, 
but uh, otherwise, the guys who were catching were mostly in the uh, Max Bradison category, and uh, the guys who were blocking were the dudes who we were more curious about. Uh, but this was, you know, a pretty vanilla offense, so it's not surprising yeah. that the tight ends didn't get super involved. I can't wait to see uh, Eric all, you know, possible best tight end in the big 10, uh, do some great blocking on plays where they target Joel Honigford um, or, or Max Bredesen <laughs> as the case may be. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the, the tight ends are just, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do because I agree. Colson Loveland can be like a really dangerous receiver, but this team has so many actual dangerous receivers. Um, plus Eric all, you know, who's, I think, yeah, absolutely. is going to be, an all big 10 type guy, if not in the actual, you know, uh, list, but in terms of like his actual performance, I mean, he's a great blocker and, and really when he does get the ball is um, a mismatch. Um, and then you also have, you know, Honingford's a good third guy and um, uh schoonmaker obviously flashed, you know, down the stretch. So it's again, like another position on this offense that we're just kind of looking at like, where are they going to find the snaps to, you know, utilize these guys? Because yeah, I, w- I want to see Hibner and Hanson, and they just they, they couldn't do <laughs> right. a block out there because of the there just doesn't aren't enough balls to go around. I was going to say, imagine this: Michigan may actually have to like pass the ball in the second half against teams like Indiana. I know Harbaugh hates doing that, but he might be forced <laughs> yeah. to do so this year. I think I honestly do think like <laughs> this has kind of like been a take that I've had for a while, but. I think some of the reasons that Michigan um, Michigan likes to, when they can run the ball on teams, just run the ball and like put games away in like the, the most boring way possible. I think it hurts like their team's overall stats, even though they do have like, you know, they have had good skill position players in the past. Um, I would like to see them pat, like they're going to have to pass the ball in garbage time this year to like keep guys happy and like, you know, keep guys stats up because uh it's like there's simply not enough balls to go around if they're only going to be throwing like 15 times a game. But that said, I'm sure that's absolutely what they're going to do. Hey, remember, running up the score builds character. So, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all for it. Jim Harbaugh is hearing you say what he has to do, and he's saying he doesn't have to do a damn thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> How many pass attempts did Michigan have through three games last year? I feel like it was about 12. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Offensive line is always tough to judge in a spring game because uh, it's split. <clears throat> and that is a position group that uh, it really matters how it's configured. Um, so I didn't want to judge too much up front, except that they seem pretty confident. And at center, uh, Olu Oluwatimi looked like he was moving guys around, uh, wasn't missing too many line calls or anything like that. There weren't, uh, you know, a bunch of obvious busts and he just looks really impressive physically. So, uh, I mean, he was a Remington finalist, so it's not like this is a huge surprise, but it seems like the grad transfer center is going to be pretty good. Uh, otherwise, uh, I don't know, other than, uh, Trent a. Jones seemingly kind of taking hold of the right tackle position. I didn't have a lot of takeaways from the old line. Yeah. Um, I think that if your offensive line isn't getting, Uh, pretty consistently like blown away in a spring game. Uh, That's a good thing because when you split offensive lines, um, the the communication just kind of goes to hell. Um, You you have to really like the best offensive. That's that's why Wisconsin, Wisconsin's offensive lines are always so good Um, is it's not necessarily that they always have, you know, like tons of NFL guys, 
Um, they usually do, but sometimes they don't. Uh, they what they do is they keep guys in the program for so long that they get so used to playing with each other and like it just becomes like a uh, second nature in terms of like you know calling out blitzes and picking up stunts and all that kind of stuff and then adjusting on the fly. Um, and Michigan's getting to that point in terms of depth, uh, but any program when you split the offensive lines up down the middle for a spring game, you're going to get guys that really haven't practiced too much together, um, and you're going to get blown assignments. Um, and so the fact that Michigan, both of these, you know, the the maze and the blue offensive lines held their own and like generally were able to, you know, create holes and uh, and not get consistently like just torched on blitzes is, is pretty positive in my eyes. Um, Olu Oluwatimi, uh, you know, this is not new information because he's got, you know, like years of of uh, of game film to look at. And he was a, like like Ace just said, was a Rington finalist. Um he was able to like really move Mozzie Smith off the ball a couple times, which is not something that a lot of like, we didn't see almost at all last year, even against really good offensive lines. And I just think he's going to be the type of center where like, you can be a very good center by just getting your line calls right. And generally like executing your assignment. Um, and Bistardus just being mobile. A good example of that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I just think he's going to be the kind of guy where like when you're playing against a team that plays a true nose tackle that will really screw up a lot of blocking assignments, he's going to be able to like dominate those matchups. And that's so rare in a center because, you know, this is kind of like, uh, you know, you don't really think about it because it's, it's such a simple mechanic of the game, but I played center for a long time and it's really, really hard to snap the ball and then block. Like if you think about the way it works, you have to blocking is all about, getting your hands up immediately and delivering a decisive punch into the defender's like chest plate and really time placing your hands well. And it's really, really hard when your first movement off the ball has to be like putting one of your hands through your legs. And then like that extra half a second of firing your hands really costs you a lot of matchups. Um, but Olu Oluwatimi really seems like a guy that is so massive and um, just so dominant as a blocker that I think he's going to like, I think that the, the middle of Michigan's offensive line is just going to really maul some holes, um, especially because Trent a. Jones, who appears to take over, be taking over right tackle is like huge. And uh, you know, I mean, Andrew Stuber was, I actually shouldn't really say that because Andrew Stuber was a mauler last year. So I, you know, that'll probably be a little bit of a downgrade, but like, Michigan's guards are enormous and their center is enormous. And I just really feel like they're going to absolutely move some people this year. Um, and I, it's hard for me when you're upgrading that much and not to say anything bad about the starters. Cause I think he was amazing and, you know, team captain and like, wouldn't be what would not have accomplished what they did as a team last year without him, but you're pretty visibly upgrading and I even noticed it just watching live. Um, I'm hearing Seth like coming to getting. arrest you with the uh, Vistardis slander. <laughs> no, it's not slander. I love Vistardis, and I think <laughs> he's, I think I think he was great. But like, it was. I just think it's like it's a visible upgrade. And when you upgrade at such an important spot, um, I just think like I don't know. I couldn't be higher on the middle of this offensive line. I think they're really, really going to open some holes. So, so what I'm hearing is that Michigan got better by adding a really excellent player from the transfer portal. And uh, if anyone in the athletic department or the university as a whole is listening to me say this, uh, maybe consider that Michigan should be allowed to do that with guys who are not like, you know, academic all-conference dudes who are grad transfers from elite universities like UVA. Just throwing that out there. 
It'd be nice. It would definitely be nice. Uh, any more offensive takes in general before we take an ad break and move to the defense? Because uh, we we should note that Cade McNamara came out of the game and said they showed nothing. So, uh, you know, yeah, there's only so much to talk about here. Yeah, it felt like they were really running like most of their basic <laughs> stuff from last year. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't really have a Cade take. We, we've seen a whole season of him starting. He looked like he was, he looked like Kate. He looked a little bit slow, but that'll happen when you're throwing to like, you know, the everyone on the roster and like you're moving, you're, you're in with like a different offensive line every other series. Uh, I'm not going to get, he was literally switching teams too. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm not going to get worked up about him, like not having a great spring game. Um, But, you know, I, I will say like, I, there was a little bit where I'm like, man, I really wish you would like just uncork one here. You know, like I do feel like, Checkdown Cade is the checkdowns are going to be really, really good this year because we've got great receiving running backs and just a lot of guys that can make you miss in space. But like, oh, sorry, I just muted myself. Um, part of me was like, I really do just want like him to throw one deep to uh, to uh, to Clemens or, or to someone else and just like, like, let's see what these uh, receivers can do. But anyway, yeah, that's that's my only Cade take. Yeah, it's fair. But, you know, they weren't going to do too much with him in there. Um, even though he was not contact. All right. Uh, we are brought to you as always by home field apparel. Use the promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from home field at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, I forgot to update the ad copy. It still just says it's almost refresh season dot, 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 with nothing after that, which really messed with Dan last week when he was, you know, uh, playing the role of host. And that was very much my bad. And, uh, I've messed it up again. But Homefield has uh, really, uh, I mean, just as an example, I'm currently wearing uh, a pair of St. Peter's joggers, um, a uh, UCLA Rose Bowl shirt, and a Vermont Catamount sweatshirt. Uh, This is how I live now. I am just completely inscrutable. Uh, You will never know which... uh, which college I'm affiliated with or which team I'm rooting for, except on Michigan game days when I'm wearing all layers of Michigan. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to be the extremely confusing person who gets a lot of weird looks from people. Like, why are you repping three different universities at once? And I'm, I'm down with that. And that, that has been made possible because of the good folks at home field apparel. So once again, promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order. We were also brought to you by points bet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit match up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB. That is bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly, set limits, avoid chasing losses, and never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's flip it over to the defense. Um, I think we were a little interested to see whether uh, it looked like they were doing the same things that they were doing last year schematically, and that very much seemed to be the case. Um, so no longer having Mike McDonald there does not seem to have uh, dramatically changed uh, the way Michigan is approaching things. And I would say the biggest thing for me was that there were a number of up and coming young guys who looked uh, pretty good on the defensive line from uh, Mike Morris and Chris Jenkins to um, Ray Benny. And even uh, a quick flash from Mason Graham when he drew uh, 
like an instant holding call on Oluwatimi by timing the snap. So I, I mean, you don't. One thing that the spring game often tends to uh, expose is a lack of defensive line depth, and uh, Michigan seemed to have a, a solid couple rows of, of teeth in there. I thought Chris Jenkins pretty interesting because, like, I think we've all had the same thought about him, which is like last year he's playing about two seventy five. We're like, all right, he's going to put under like thirty pounds on and become you know like a traditional defensive tackle. He didn't. He's playing I think two seventy seven. So it's like, is he undersized for an interior guy? Like, what's going on there? But I think that, like, when you saw the agility and the fluidity and the bend with which he made that sack, um, while still showing a lot of strength, I was like, okay, like, it seems to be working. Like, I can see how this could could work. Um, and he's someone that I think is going to be like, like, if, you know, I think that, that it is kind of pivotal. Like, if Benny and Jenkins, those are the two guys, if those guys can pop, that can take this defense to a different level. You, you need you need people beyond Mozzie, and I think a lot of it will hinge on how good those guys can be. So I was particularly impressed with him. Yeah, um, I, I think something to note, uh, there was a lot of talk about how Mason Graham was one of the most college-ready high school prospects that uh, the staff had ever seen. And I think that if you, if you beat uh, Oluwotimi, um, as like an 18 year old that should still be in high school, you're ready to go. Um, and he's got a full off season of like strength training to go still. Uh, he looks ready. He looks like he's going to be a guy that can play nose tackle at a pretty high level from day one, which is super, super rare. I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch or anything, but, um, I like, I was super high on him out of college. He was a guy Michigan absolutely stole out of California that, you know, he won like I think he won Mr. Football California or something like that or or some Gatorade player of the year, California, which is, you know, for to, to steal a guy like that, for him to be like kind of a low four star um, was is, is pretty unheard of. And clearly, clearly like an absolute uh, gem of the class um, right away, basically. Um, and I, I do feel like Michigan just has, you know, they've got a couple of nose tackles now. Um, they. They have Mozzie. They have Graham. Um, I think they're they're also looking at a guy from UCF that's that's more of a nose tackle type. But then they've got kind of like a slew of guys that are like in somewhere on the spectrum between uh, three tech and like anchor. Um, and I think that that's really useful because you can when you're a base three four defense and you're playing three defensive tackles, the two that aren't the nose tackle can be a little bit lighter because they're more Chris Wormley types than, um, than like true three techs in a four, four man front. Um, and it looks like Michigan's got a lot of uh, positional flexibility between those guys. Uh, a lot of guys that should be effective interior pass rushers, you know, um, Jenkins and Morris were really good last year and they'll be better this year. Ray Sean Benny. I totally agree. Like that's a guy that I saw in, in high office high school film really played with great leverage and just bent really well for a big guy like that. And he wasn't the type that was dominant in high school. Like a lot of times high school defensive tackles will just comically ragdoll offensive linemen. And that actually like, you know, that's, that's a good sign obviously, but that sometimes does kind of hurt your development early because you learn very quickly that you simply can't do that in college. And he's the type of, he's the guy that like, if you were, a coach, you know, the number one thing you talk about is pad level. And he had that coming out of high school and the way that he's playing now that he's like bulked up more 
it you can really see like his long arms and his really solid base are like really tough to deal with for a lot of offensive linemen. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Michigan's interior positions are, I don't know if there's one guy that is going to be like an absolute terror. Um, I'm sure that somebody will, but I think there's a lot of guys that can be like a playmaker on a down, like, you know, on a given play. And I think that in the, you know, the, through depth and through, um, just like having a couple guys like take that step forward, they're going to be really, really solid up the middle this year. Um, you know, so that's that's my take. I I came away really um, optimistic about the interior defensive line, which is uh, something that I have not said since literally like 2016. <laughs> I think I think even in I, 2017, it was like one. It was you know it was Mo Hurst and kind of nobody else. <laughs> I just want to say for the record, everyone listening, Dan was never ragdolled by defensive tackle in high school. Never <laughs> happened. Always took care of yeah. business. Yeah, only only because the competition level was not good. Um, <laughs> if there was anyone like Rayshon Benny, I absolutely would have. Rayshon Benny is also harnessing the power of wearing a running back's number at defensive tackle, and I, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I really want him to, to hit because of that. Uh, 26 at nose tackle. It, it just looks fantastic. I love it. Um, does anybody have strong linebacker takes? Because I, I don't. I, I just don't after the spring game. Uh, I mean, it usually takes some pretty detailed watching. Uh, there were a couple times where, uh, I mean, there was that quorum run where he bounces, breaks contain. There was a long ballings run. But in general, it seemed like guys were mostly in the right place, even when Hill Green got beat on that wheel route. Uh, it was Donovan Edwards running the wheel route, and he wasn't beat by that much. He was actually almost encouraged by that. Um, I was going to say that too. Yeah, he was he was running with him. You know, I wouldn't say it was step for step, but <laughs> close enough. Yeah, I mean that, that that's pretty good for uh, getting hit with a real wheel route by that guy. So um, I don't know. Yeah. I just uh, I, I didn't I didn't have strong takes about any of the linebackers. I just I, nobody seemed to pop like. I mean, there was like a Mike McCray spring game. Uh, I think back in 2016, where he was just everywhere and wrecking people. There was nobody doing that, uh, but there was also nobody out there who was like, "Man, like this." I don't think this dude can contribute. Yeah, you know, there were a lack of. Um, I was high on on uh, Nikai Hill Green, um, higher than I think most last year. I just think he's a really solid tackler and like does the little things right. Um, Junior Colson, I think it's encouraging that we didn't notice any like true bus um, bouncing the ball outside. That's, that's can sometimes be on either your end or your safety. Um, usually that's not actually on your uh, linebackers because it's their responsibility to like, you know, fill the Plug holes up in the inside. Gaps, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think that, I think it was encouraging. We didn't see too many busts from him because if he's just, if he eliminates mistakes, you know, he can be an all big 10 level player immediately. Um Linebacker can be tough to to really judge uh, on a you know in a spring game type setting where there's not as much blitzing, um, and you're also you're seeing an offense that you've like you're seeing an offense that you've seen thousands of times before, um, and also you're seeing them running their most basic plays. So like not busting against that is kind of like the minimum requirement. Uh, I think but but behind Colson and Nikai Hill Green, you do want you need a third to step up um, and it doesn't look like they have too much depth right now. It seems like Michael Barrett's still more of a Viper type, um, not really an inside linebacker. Uh, Jaden hood seems like he's the next guy up and they are 
generally like encouraged by him, but he's not like ready yet. Um, and they've got they've got Jimmy Rolder coming in, who's not on campus yet, who I'm I'm really high on. So hmm. you know you'll get some help there. But uh, I, I think generally right now, like linebacker is one spot where it feels like they're a little bit thin. Yeah, I mean maybe they can bring in. I mean, you said there's help arriving, and there's maybe they can bring in a, a grad transfer or something if they feel bad about it. But it it seems like I mean you only really need a couple guys, you know. Now that Michigan's in a in a three four uh, on that at least on the interior. Um, it does seem like the like true edge rushing terror is kind of lacking here. There was nobody who really jumped off the screen in that regard. And uh, that's probably going to be a, a significant difference uh, from yeah. last season. Maybe just maybe I, I think, I do think it's also worth noting, like this is one that's something I'm sort of concerned about, but I think that they feel pretty good about a lot of the edge guys you know, helping with some linebacker things, especially Jill and Harrell. I think they think it's like a really versatile guy. Um, you're going to see a lot of like stand up OLB stuff, drop some dropping into coverage, which I'm kind of concerned about. But um, yeah, that is going to be a thing. I, I think that like the program seems to think that the, their best shot at like, you know, a terrifying pass rusher is, is Morris. Um, but he's more of like, we always, <laughs> I don't know how many times we can possibly say Chris Wormley type, but that is, <laughs> he's a power rusher. <laughs> that is the cop. Yeah, he's a power rusher. So yeah, we don't. There's not a there's not a bendy like will whoop anybody one on one guy in this group. It seems like which Michigan had two of those guys last time. So yeah, I was hoping to maybe see a little bit more uh, from Keyshawn Bennett or somebody like that, and it just didn't happen. But it's also you know one scrimmage, so uh, yeah, you can't. I thought can't say for sure. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think watching the edges like generally they got pushed past by pushed past by offensive tackles. Um, this is going to have to be as far as uh, organic pass rush goes. I think this is going to have to be kind of like a 2015 type pass rush where it's like really solid interior pressure, um, which I think the interior pressure is a, is a step like that's going to be noticeably better. Um, and then like kind of more of a pocket crushing than like a dip around the edge and sack the quarterback like it was last year, uh, which can work. And then also I think they're going to have to um, – they're just going to have to blitz more on passing downs, uh, which I think, you know, you're going to see. And and hopefully uh, Junior Colson can be like that type of player. You know, we saw him really be explosive on some blitzes last year, and he certainly got that type of athleticism. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I was generally impressed by the defense as a whole, um, and I think they're going to take some take steps up in almost every position group. But the big position group where they're not going to take a step up is edge. And that's like the most important one. <laughs> and also they're going to take a pretty enormous step down just by virtue of, you know, losing to, uh, you know, a number one overall pick and then another, um, you know, first round talent. He might may not be a first round pick, unfortunately, with the Achilles injury, but definitely was on track to be a, an easy first round pick um, in David. Yeah, Jabba, a guy so. who. A guy who ran a four five five at the combine right. has like a six five defensive end. Yeah, yeah he's pretty he's pretty good. Um, hey, like let's uh, the, the Mike Sandershall uh, nickel blitz is uh, is coming. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he's a good look. He hits hard. He backs a punch. Um, no, actually, but, yeah, actually, I think they should do that. <laughs> yeah, no, they should. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Overall, like uh, on the defensive line, though, I think the the one, and I will say, like. You know, even through rose, even though I know I've got rose colored color glasses on, I think pretty much everything was pretty positive. Um, even some of the second year guys, uh, 
Rooks made a couple plays. Um, Kekwon Bennett made a couple edge, not pass rushing, but just like in run defense. One big negative I will say, um, McGregor uh, really did um, get whooped pretty bad by the tight ends. And I saw him flash a little bit of pass rushing when it was like a, an easy passing down. So maybe he could be the type of guy that just comes in on third and long. But he did not look physically ready yet, um, which is not totally shocking given that he like, you know, missed uh, his first season basically with an injury. But he he still looks like he's not quite ready to stand up and be like an every down player, which is a bit of a disappointment because he's the you know, he's their best shot at, you know, the next uh, like first round Michigan uh uh, edge rusher. So, yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if we're leaving the defense yet, but I do just want to say like, uh, DJ Turner is a dude. Maybe we're, maybe we're going to do that next. Oh, I mean, um, we still got the whole secondary to talk about other than, okay. Yeah. Sanders still broke up a pass, but otherwise we haven't talked about (laughs) that at all. We got to see Will Johnson a little bit. He looked like he's, um, I mean, he didn't do anything too wild, but he does, he does look the part, um, and, yeah, I'm already sold on him. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm I'm fully sold on Will Johnson already. Yeah, and then we also got yeah, I mean German Green made a couple of really nice plays on the ball, including one where he peels off of the zone to break off a would be touchdown pass or peels off his man. I mean, I mean he uh that that's not the green we expected to contribute to the secondary this year and then um I thought safety play was pretty decent. Obviously there was nothing too huge over the top, so um other than when Michigan was playing uh, all Big Ten uh, on uh, academic guys from Clarkston at corner, um, <laughs> that poor kid. I think it's interesting because yeah. like Michigan was missing two guys who are definitely going to play. Uh, Rod Moore played a ton last year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a you know starting safety um, and maybe play some nickel depending on the situation. But like he'll be in there. And uh, Jaden McBurrows is a guy we heard about a lot about last year. I expect him to be on the field a lot. It wouldn't surprise me if he's on the field I, a lot more than like Sanders still is, but like either way, he, he projects to be a contributor. So missing those two guys, but still looking respectable is big. DJ Turner looks like now on film, you know, seeing him actually like on camera, because he wasn't on camera last year because he was already a really good corner. It turned out um, he looks like a shutdown corner. Like he looks like, you know, I, I do think it's funny that people are like, well, we can't, we can't compare him to like great Michigan corners, you know, of your, and I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's pretty good to me. So <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cause he's t- Cause he's taller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not, he's not a, a five ten guy from Castac. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I was really like, I think DJ Turner is going to be great this year. Um, he was great last year to like down the stretch and really starting to like, you can see the confidence building with him. Uh, he looks fast. I, I know that was a big knock on him coming out of high school. Um, and that's not just like this game. Like I, I think he, I can't remember a time last year where he was like a step slow. Um, and I think he's going to be really good. Um, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to buy him in Will Johnson. Um, I know he didn't do anything too crazy in this game, which is actually kind of a good, it's, it's a good sign that we didn't notice him because when you don't notice quarters, that, that means they're doing a good job. Um, I think Mike Sam- Mike Samuel's one play that he made, uh, falling off of a hitch in cover three and like coming back to uh, basically catch up with uh, Darius Clemens and and break that uh, fade route up, um, kind of like a smash concept. Uh, really was a good play on the ball. Um, you can see like he's got good instincts. Didn't notice him too much else, uh, but the 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 coaching staff won't shut up about him. 
<laughs> and uh, and it's like I don't know if that's like a little bit of um, I, I can't tell if that's really like hey we really need someone to leave the receiver room so we can get more guys snaps um, or if like they just really love him and don't want to move, don't want him to transfer or if he's like a, the type of guy that's going to be a captain and they want to really talk him up. Um, but I would buy it. I mean, he's a tremendous blocker and I'd actually be kind of bummed to lose him on offense because he's so devastating in the, uh, wide receiver screen game, um, which is underrated. Uh, but like, I, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, and if he's, and look, here's the thing, there's enough guys in this defense that if he is the starting nickel, like I buy it, you know, there's no reason it's not like they've got a thousand proven guys, but they've got three, what we think are going to be pretty good corners and DJ Turner, Will Johnson and Jemon green. So they don't have to do this. And the fact that they are, and the fact that he's really good on special teams and the fact that he's a really good, like physical blocker and made a couple of plays a in the spring game. out of high school too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I guess I buy it. So um, that would be great to see. And then from safeties um, didn't notice him. Uh, so that's good. Uh, RJ Moten, uh, seems like he was, you know, get, getting used to being more boring, um, to steal an MGO blog term. Cause last year he made a couple really impressive plays, but he also kind of like the, the couple of long plays were definitely on him. Um, so, you know, if he's just worked, worked on simply catching the ball when it's thrown directly to him, he'll have a good year. <laughs> and then, um, missing Rod Moore, obviously in Jaden McBurrows. So want to see those guys get healthy because the staff's super high on Jaden McBurrows. And Rod Moore, I just, I absolutely couldn't be higher on. I think he's, uh, he's a tremendous playmaker, and he, he made some incredible tackles against Ohio State. Yeah, it seems like they've got anywhere between I don't know five to eight, nine guys that they can trust in the secondary, which uh, is a wild thing to say after uh, how we were feeling going into last season. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. god, dude. <laughs> I thought we had like one cornerback maybe last year. <laughs> oh my god, this was this was so dire this time last year. We were we were really going through it, um, and just like the fact that we're saying like, yeah, the two areas that they're really strong are uh, depth up the middle and uh, and the secondary, and specifically corners is is just wild. Um, the, the two things we were most concerned about heading right. into last season were those two things. Which of course means that Michigan's defense is going to suck this year. Um, yes, and absolutely. Spe- and uh, they're going to have a great uh, pass rush and not be able to cover anyone. Yes. Uh, the important thing to remember here is that we are never right. But uh, on that note, I think it's time to make some predictions. Um, after going through all this, uh, you know, watching the spring game, reading however much spring content each of us uh, decided to consume, uh, we each chose one positive and one negative prediction, uh, mostly based on what we saw in the spring game itself. Um, so uh, let's start with the positive stuff. Uh, Dan, what was your positive takeaway since you've gotten about, I, I would say, 90% of the way to saying it already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I really do believe this. I think that Michigan's going to have the best corners in the conference, um, give or take, uh, if I guess Ohio State, like, decides to start playing defense again this Utilizing year. Utilizing their talent. Um, yeah, right. I mean, the, losing Kerry Combs uh, really could be like an absolute X factor in the conference. And I'm, I'm, I'm not at all being ironic about that. Like Ohio State's defensive backs could, could be a problem next year. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I think DJ Turner is going to be all big 10. Um, I'm just, I'm super high on him. I think he's, he's 
long and he's fast enough. And I think he just really like, he seems to always be in the right spot. Um, and I, I liked how he played down the stretch, liked how he played in the spring game. Uh, I think he's, he's got that dog in him. Um, Will Johnson is just like, if you're, he physically dominated uh, CJ or sorry, I totally, I'm totally drawing a blank right now. What the hell? Um, Cornelius Johnson on the, uh, on a fade route. And that's usually the question about like young corners is how physical are they? He looked the part. He's six two. He's fast. Um, I think that he's going to be ready to play. And I think he's going to be really, really good off the bat. And then you've got Jemon green who could be your third corner or your second corner. If, uh, if Will Johnson isn't ready and, he um, he's good in man to man, and like that's you know as a third or second corner, that's a pretty darn good thing to have. And Mike Sainrisil appears to be uh, you know a, a, a capable corner, or at least the the coaching staff keeps telling us every time you know an insider puts a puts a microphone in front of someone's face. Uh, and then you have you know um, uh, Rod Moore, who is seems like is going to be, you know, or like was in the running for Nickelback. So if, if Sanderson doesn't work out, then, you know, that's your guy. And he was really good in man coverage last year. Um, so like, I don't know, I think Michigan's going to have the best corners in the league. Um, maybe the best secondary in the league, just by virtue of, you know, having those corners. Um, and I, that's, that's super bold, but I just, I see the vision with this, with this group. I really, really do. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that I think we're in agreement that the main threat to Michigan having the best secondary in the league is if Ryan Day shows his uh, five star recruits a YouTube video at some point. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's honestly like for all those things I just said, if if Ohio State simply like it's like this is like how man like that, that will be the best secondary in the league (laughs) because they still have just so much talent, unfortunately. Uh, So it goes. Uh, Connor, what is your uh, positive prediction? Okay, so we were all, uh, you know, so pleased last year about the uh, double pass that ended up being a halfback pass uh, from Donovan Edwards to Roman Wilson last year in the Big Ten title game. Spectacular throw for a touchdown. Um, in this game, we saw Eric All throw a nice ball uh, on another double pass. And um, my bold prediction is that I actually think it wouldn't surprise me at all if Michigan actually integrates this kind of thing into their offense. Um because they, they did commit to the flea flicker last year. That worked great, actually. So I'm predicting that um, at least one running back, one receiver, and one tight end for Michigan will end the season with touchdown passes. That's my uh, bold. Uh, definitely will be wrong, but I hope they at least try, because it'll be fun. <laughs> Even if they get two-thirds of the way there, that'd be pretty great. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I like that as part of the offense. It's simple, and it, it kind of works. Um, my prediction is that Donovan Edwards is catching at least three touchdowns on wheel routes alone because I just don't know how you're supposed to guard that guy one-on-one. And Michigan is clearly willing to run wheel routes with him, and wheel routes uh, win every single time. So, yeah, just 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 call him. Call him every play. Call him, yeah, every single play until they stop working. I think that's probably the safest prediction in this, in this group. Like, uh, you know, I feel pretty been, good about it. Said, yeah, I mean, he he would have been a five star slot receiver, and uh, that dude is that dude is sick. So yes. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll go to the flip side now. Uh, we'll keep it in the same order. Dan, uh, what's your negative take coming out of this spring? 
All right. So um, I, I think if I had to make one just on my own, I'd probably go something with the edge rushers. Uh, but you guys already took that. So I'm going to say, and this is like me really, really reaching because I'm, I'm high on pretty much every aspect of this, uh, of the offense and um, of the defense. Uh, I'm going to say that my, my negative take is just that Harbaugh and to a certain extent Cade are just not quite going to maximize uh, the skill talent on this team. Um, I am saying that because, and I think it's going to be a good offense. I think it's going to be like top 15 by like advanced metrics and all that. Um, probably the best offense. I, I think it'll be the best offense that we've had under Harbaugh. I think, I just feel like it's it's going to be the type of thing that you're sort of at, you're sitting at the end of the year and wondering like, man, we, we I feel like we could have gotten more out of that. Um, and I'm not saying like that much more. I'm not saying it's going to be like 2019 where it was like, what did we do with all that? I, I, I'm not saying that at all. I just feel like this amount of skill talent should be a truly, truly dominant um, offense. And I think that we're going to see something like last year plus where it's good, gets the job done in most games. Um, it's going to be very run heavy. We're going to be really frustrated about that in at certain points. And uh, yeah, I think, I think you're going to see a whole bunch of receivers with like 300 yards receiving on the year and comes in, you know, like comes in very high impact situations and mostly gets the job done, but is just like, feels like it should be a, you know, top five SP plus offense when it's really like a top 15 SP plus offense. All right, Connor, what's your, uh, what's your negative prediction? So I'm just thinking about like things that, that Michigan did well last year that, that might become more problematic uh, this year. And of course we already covered organic edge rush is like by far the most obvious one. I do think last year, um, Michigan was able to mostly rid themselves of like the former scourge of like crossing routes, just all kinds of intermediate routes in the middle of the field that got way, way, way better. Um, partly as they got rid of Don Brown. Yes. But also just like, <laughs> I think a lot of it was uh, you had Dax Hill who was incredibly versatile and honestly in the end of the year might've ended up even being a little bit underrated just because he did so much um, both in the passing and the run game to just like clean up mistakes and sort of take away parts of the field. And that was a big part of it. But also, like, the way that this that these defenses work, um, like, especially a 3-4 defense, is you're going to need, like, edge guys to sort of be hybrids. And sometimes they're going to drop into coverage. And a lot of time last year that – well, last year when that happened, it was mostly Aiden Hutchinson and especially David Ojabo, who are both, like, transcendent athletes, right? Ojabo's huge, but, like, <laughs> he ran a receiver-worthy 40-time at the combine. And, like, he could survive a little bit in coverage just, just based on that. I kind of I kind of worry about that now because there's no Dax Hill, not to disrespect the, the guys in the secondary, and I don't know. We, there, there's not the level of like ridiculous first round athleticism from the edge guys. I can see Minter kind of like outthinking himself a little bit, and you know one thing you know about the Big Ten, especially the teams that we hate in the Big Ten, is they end up having incredibly annoying slot receivers. I don't just mean Ohio State obviously always does, but like Penn State and Michigan State seem to as well. I'm just Indiana already having like. <laughs> I'm already having like, you know, terrible visions of like whatever, you know, incredibly fast slot receiver Penn State has suddenly being in space against like TJ guy. <laughs> like, that's that's my nightmare. And I, I kind of fear it may come to pass, but uh, I hope by saying it, I, I'm, I'm, you know, helping it not happen. <laughs> yes. Getting, getting this out into the open is, is the way to uh, hopefully keep it from happening. Uh, 
Speaking of which, my negative prediction is that Michigan won't have an individual player with more than six sacks. Uh, we have discussed the lack of organic pass rush, uh, and or at least the potential for that quite a bit, and the lack of a standout edge rusher at this point. And it just seems like this is going to be a team that needs uh, pass rush by committee. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. We have seen pocket-crushing Michigan defensive lines be quite good at getting to the quarterback before, and I think this will be similar but I think you know unless Mike Morris like really breaks out and even then it's just hard to get more than about six sacks from the interior of the defensive line and it doesn't seem like there's going to be that uh edge rushing outside linebacker who's going to put up double digit type numbers so yeah that's that's where I land uh but I don't think that necessarily means it's going to be uh, a bad defense it's just uh maybe going to be a little easier to scheme against for opposing offensive coordinators than when Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo were lined up across from each other. Cause that was really nice. Um, yeah. I could, I could see this being a really like um, a team with a real, still a pretty good passing down sack rate because they blink, bring a lot of blitzes when it's like third and 10 or, you know, a, a passing down, but um, just standard downs. I could see it really struggling to, uh, to get to the quarterback and stress consistently. Yeah, that is fair. All right, we were going to do uh, uh, an overview of the all spring game team that I've been uh, I've posted half of on, on the uh, newsletter so far. Um, we've gone almost ninety minutes, so uh, I think we're going to save that one for next week, um, which also gives me time to finish writing it. So, so that's good, I think. Um, so that's all for this week. Uh, follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and uh, the bonus podcast. Rate and review and subscribe to this year free podcast and use the promo code bucketproblem at homefieldapparel.com and the bucket promo code bucketprob on points bet. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.